You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what Matrix, you did! I lied. <laughs> all right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Peshera. Uh, and uh, not in studio, but uh, from his own bunker, we have Dustin Chafin. Welcome, Dustin. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hey, how Dustin. you doing? So, so, Dustin, this is our uh, fourth time doing it by Zoom. Okay. We're calling this Emergency Pandemic episode number four. He always messes it up. I, what is what is it Pandemic called? Emergency Pod number four. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and uh, But this is you're, you're the first Zoom guest. Yes. Oh, wow. So bear with us a little bit. We've been doing, we did three episodes, just me and Alex by Zoom. Right. All the previous episodes, for the most part, with guests. So this is our first Zoom guest. So Zoom thanks guest. for coming on. Thanks for uh, making the time to do this. Hey, I'll always take a new credit. I like it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is it's going on the YouTube credits. Uh, so you picked a movie that I mean, we were, it's funny because we've been circling around trying to do this for months and months, and yeah. so it took a it took a pandemic for all our uh, schedules to link up. Oh, so yeah. we've been talking about a movie that is very of the moment, which is Escape from New York. Yes. Uh, cool. So yeah. So curious, like you, you, you didn't hesitate when I mentioned the podcast that that's the movie you wanted to do. So no, curious I, about what that movie means to you and why why you wanted yeah. to talk about it. Well, first of all, I just want to talk about just the pandemic and just like getting guests is uh, like if somebody doesn't want to be on your podcast now, they just don't like you or your podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we had we had somebody flake out yesterday, which is like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> You have the time, bro. You can <laughs> schedule it after bagel time or whatever your schedule is, you know, after your shower. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Escape from New York is pro- my probably top five favorite movies of all time. Um, I love everything about it. Um, I I kind of, I think I saw it when I was like, when it kind of came, not at the theater, but I think I might have VHSed it a little bit because it came out the same, like, because he did uh, Fox and the Hound, Kurt Russell, like, and I think that was the same year, eighty. Yeah, and so I'm not sure if it was after or before or whatever, but um, but yeah, Escape from New York was something that I shouldn't have seen. You know those movies that we saw way too early. Yeah, and, like it was like we were too young to be kind of watching a movie like this. But I remember I saw it probably age ten or something, and it was uh, yeah, it opened up a whole lot for me. Um, I've never seen anybody cooler on screen than Snake Plissken. There's, I mean, just the coolest character ever. Is this a movie that made you want to move to New York? Yeah. All these horrible movies made me want to move to New York. Taxi yeah. Driver, Warriors, like Escape from New York. You know what's funny is I had a yeah. similar experience. Like, I'm from Jersey, so I, yeah. I was introduced to, like, the, the like Rockefeller Center, Christmas Tree kind of New yeah. York my whole life. But I remember very specifically coming as a teenager for the first time. And for me, uh, oddly enough, it was the movie uh, Marathon Man, oh, which is like very dark, very right. – I, I call these movies uh, New York as hellhole. Uh-huh. There was a lot of movies where it's like they couldn't make New York look any worse. Oh, and yeah. yet still it was so attractive yeah. to come here. What Apache the Bronx? Like that movie's awful. Like <laughs> people from the rooftops and shit. Yeah, it's like all that stuff. And so, yeah, I think uh, just that grittiness of New York through kind of these movies kind of made me fascinated 
you know, by one of the, and I was always trying to escape Texas. So yeah, you know, they, yeah escape to New York. Yeah. Escape to New York was definitely my role. But uh, yeah, but I just love Snake Plissken. I mean, I got really fascinated. I wore an eye patch when I was in high school for a little while. And, Get and the fuck out of here. I did. <laughs> for real? You did? I mean, it, was a, it was the 80s, bro. You have no idea. We were different. We were I, the original hipsters. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> was it unironic? You were just like, I'm fucking Snake. You know, it was a lot. The eye patch, there was like this band called Dead or Alive, and then there was Snake Plissken. So there was a lot. The eye patch was a little more fashionable than just, hey, I lost my eye. You know, so, <laughs> it had a moment. <laughs> yeah. It was something, I don't know. It was like, then there was a guy on soap, some soap opera who had an eye patch. Like, it was a whole kind of thing. I think I just wore it for a little while just to see if I could pull it off. And then, because I, you know, as a, as someone who's about to be a comic later in life, you look back and you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we were like we were like auditioning a lot of stuff as kids. Yeah, you, have you know, no what I mean? like I was a skater for a while, and then I became like really preppy. I was like I was always like putting on like a character. I feel I realize now. Yeah, I it almost it. it's almost worse if you end up as like a square person in a regular job because then it's like, well, why did I bother with all that other shit? Yeah, exactly. I did Elvis shows, and I was like eight in my front yard with uh. and stuff. So yeah, it's a yeah, you're always doing kind of weird shit, and you don't know why you're you know. But uh, so, yeah, so I love the idea of just um, of Snake, you know, this like, yeah, and I love Carpenter. Halloween was another one. Yeah. That was way too early. And then uh, just love everything about John Carpenter's filmmaking. And to me, he's kind of like a um, he's, you know, they have like how Bill Burr would be like the comics comic. Right. I think like, Carpenter is kind of the artist artist or the director's director because he did a lot of this shit that was like that, that shouldn't have been a successful movie. I mean, it was yeah. all, you know, shoestring budget. And and in the way they film stuff in it is so crazy. Like that's a real burnt out city, like in uh Saint in Missouri or something. It was like it was parts of St. Louis, yeah. Yeah, they had like a fire in seventy four and they used kind of these buildings that were really run down. So everything about it just looks amazing to me. Is that where they yeah. so they filmed this in St. Louis? Just it to was get almost some entirely shot in St. Louis. Yeah. The only shot in New York was the the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And wow. they they were the only uh the first movie to get the rights to do that actually. And then they filmed it at night. So they got away with it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I actually, so this is still, I, I rewatched it twice since we talked about it. It's still not like, I love Carpenter and I love Carpenter together with Kurt Russell. But to me, like I, I prefer the thing and I prefer uh big trouble in little China. Okay. And then I also really love they live, which I mean, is great with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Like people, sure. the argument can be made that with, with Kurt Russell, that movie is even more incredible. But this is like this is like in the middle of like I'll take I'll take like Carpenter that I don't love versus almost anybody else if that makes sense like I love Carpenter that much that like even his stuff that it doesn't like hit me really hard I still think is incredible yeah but those two movies had huge budgets compared to what is yeah that's true he he you know, I mean, Carpenter he, you're right he's one of these interesting characters where he went to film school he made like I don't know if you ever seen Dark Star his first film the first one yeah that guy that got beat up a little bit right. It's really shitty. It's yeah. like it was a garbage like student film, but they were able to like get it into theaters and he got an agent out of it. And it was he made it with Dan O'Bannon, who was the guy who came up with the original alien okay. concept. Very so cool. Dan O'Bannon created like the, the original script that that be, that ended up becoming uh, alien. But it's just like I mean, it has a couple of cool ideas in it, but it's really like junky and kind of crappy. But like. It, they were able to parlay that into Hollywood careers, but Carpenter mm -hmm. always had to keep like proving himself. And I just was listening to something on YouTube with him where he's like, he basically got an agent, but then the agent was like, well, listen, you're going to have to write your way into Hollywood. 
So he kept writing scripts and he did Assault on Precinct. Is it, oh my God, why am I, uh, why am I blanking right now? Is it 19? 19? I, don't know. I think, right? Assault on Precinct so 13 like, is coming to mind. Oh, 13, yeah, yeah, which is like actually never remakes. even mentioned in yeah. the movie. They just thought it was a cool title after, after the fact. And, um, so yeah, he's like the original, and like Halloween is like one of the great like indie horror films, like made for nothing, really a simple idea. And one of the cool things about Carpenter is that he's also a composer, so he composed yeah. a lot of the music. I mean, you you didn't hear it on the when we did it today, but like our intro music, we have the thing um, music, the thing bass uh, that uh, doom, right? as part of our intro, and it's like doom, just that the music from the Carpenter films is such a huge. Like when you hear that Michael Myers music. Sure. Like you yeah. get scared right away. Like it's so ingenious. Like I, I do. I, I love a, I love a filmmaker that can use almost nothing and still make something. Yeah, and I like it. it that he took care of his friends from film school. I think is it Nick Castle who helped write this one, and you know, this yeah. the idea of that is so romantic to me. You know, guys that like take care of their buddies, and you know, they were in school together and all that stuff. But yeah, the fact that he did the score and stuff, and that score, look, I think it, it sounds like he just did it on like a. 43 key, you know, Casio, like you know, Casio. Yeah, it's all yeah, just yeah. like janky, like three <laughs> notes. Like. Yeah. And, the, but there's just something like when you watch it now, you know, what was really funny is, uh, there's a, um, there's a Chris, that Christmas movie on Netflix. I don't know if you see, it's actually pretty good. We, we're big Christmas movie fans here. And, um, we're, uh, he plays Santa. It's called. Oh, with Kurt Russell. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it was pretty good. It's really funny because they do they do some shout outs to Escape from New York. So he's Santa and he's he's landing his sled on top of a uh, building and it's just like the glider. Oh, no shit. <laughs> the way they do it and it almost goes off and there's kind of a cheeky moment to it. Mm. But uh, yeah, I just uh, Alex, what did you think seeing it for the first time? So, like, yeah, I watched it for the first time uh, uh, actually two nights ago. Oh, wow. it definitely it definitely was enjoyable to watch. I really liked the premise and and obviously it's like this far-fetched premise but um is it wh- really? well uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean what what is australia what was australia in? yeah it's true true actually i was thinking about this um <laughs> it is like the australia what was it like the 1800s when australia was just a Penal prison colony, yeah. yeah so um i really liked the beginning of the film the exposition like the the setup how there's like voiceover, it shows the island getting the barrier around it. It set it up real nicely, just showing you, okay, these are prisoners, there's no guards, nobody watching them. Like I was I was kind of hooked from that moment. Uh I didn't and I I'll, I'll say this. I the minute we see Kurt Russell on film, he's the coolest guy in the room. You wanna be him, even forty years later. I yeah, was I was yeah, looking up yeah, to this guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. He's 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 just he's fantastic looking. He yeah. looks amazing. But perfect but hair. perfect hair. This is perfect. peak Russell. Best hair beard combo ever. Ever. What, what's what's interesting is that he had to like he fabricated this character because he was a Disney. He was a child actor, and they didn't want Kurt Russell because he Kurt Russell had to invent tough guy Kurt Russell because the yeah. business saw him as like the goofy kid actor from yeah. from uh, from Disney movies. There's a, there's a there's a famous story that like and it's probably not true but like walt disney's last words were kurt russell 
Have you ever heard that? Like, really? He was like, he was like Walt's like protege. Like, those will be my it, last words. Yeah. It makes me. It makes like, to be honest with like Just all thinking the, like, about him. Yeah. All the Hollywood like you hear like the conspiracies with pedophilia and stuff. The one person I'm nervous about is Kurt Russell. Like, I just don't want to believe that he was. I hope he was okay. I hope he was protected. I hope he was safe. Yeah. <laughs> but I heard he, he. I think he said something. He created that character. It was a little bit of Bruce Lee, Darth Vader, and like early Clint Eastwood. Like, yeah, and there's uh, a little. Yeah, he does. I mean, he does that because he does, even in uh, Big Trouble, he does basically John Wayne, but he does like a, a like a stupid like over the top John Wayne. It's, I mean, it's really smart as an actor, yeah, to do that. And he know like Kurt Russell knows enough about the business, like he knows that like the look of the character, how important that is, especially and for this type of more. character. And less is more. Like he like just like with uh, you know Good Bad and the Ugly and all those Clint Eastwood movies, those spaghetti westerns. Like he barely says anything, and that's what makes it so kind of impact you know where yeah it yeah. becomes like more archetypical the, the, yeah. the, the more you simplify it yeah yeah no i think i mean kurt russell is again snakes it, it is is that's the character if you say kurt russell like that's the name that you remember i can't think of i mean jake Bur- jack burton yeah but like you can't really think of too many kurt russell character names so oh, yeah. snake plissken that name stands out like i mean all time there's gonna be you yeah know, 50 years from now, if you say Snake Plissken, people are going are gonna to know exactly what you mean. I definitely – that was my first impression, just to answer your question, uh, Dustin. My first thing that I, I loved about it was the character. And I had heard of Snake Plissken before, and I, I had seen some depictions of him in you know pop culture, like your, your T-shirt. If, I don't know if you want to show the audience yeah, your yeah. T-shirt. I mean, even just the, the outline on your T-shirt is handsome. Come on. I mean, the guy is a fox. <laughs> perfect. Right? He's perfect. He's perfect. <laughs> and uh, Peter, I don't know if you want to show the audience uh, yeah, your, so even not your being toy. A huge <laughs> fan of the movie, I'm a fan of Snake Plissken. So I was in San Francisco years ago <laughs> with uh, with my ex, and we walked into like a comic book store, and they had a Snake Plissken action figure. Which the the like the artwork on the actual packaging is so cool that I never wanted to take it out of the packaging. So I just have it propped up on my desk. Um, yeah, so that's. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean how a, fucking how fucking cool is Kurt Russell? Like that face is a movie right there. Like how yeah, fucking cool. Is I that? mean, that's that's my point. It's like it's this is movie star action hero to the T. Like this that this is kind of why I love the eighties and and since doing this podcast, we're like seventy something episodes in now. Uh, I had no appreciation for eighties actions movies before we started this. Uh, Peter knows this. I I <laughs> yeah. wanted. I mean, I hadn't seen any of these movies. I hadn't even seen. I mean, some basic eighties movies like yeah. Back to the Future and some, you yeah. know, things that people get mad at me on the internet for. But I I definitely <clears throat> have grown to appreciate um, enjoying these movies. Before doing this podcast, I probably would have shut this movie off and just been like, oh, it's another action movie. But I'm glad that I have done this podcast and that I didn't do that and I didn't have that reaction because. I enjoyed this from front to back. Not too long a movie, which is like my number one thing with these 80s movies. I watched Blues Brothers the other day because we're potentially going to do that if the guest ever wants to join. That movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. I mean... <laughs> which is long for a comedy. It's a fucking uh, yeah, way comedy. Too, it's, I think it's like 2.15, but 2.20, but still, it's way too long. long for a comedy. I think I might have watched the extended cut because it was insane. Anyway, this was like 90 minutes, like get in, get out. It was exciting the whole way through. One negative, and I wanted I wanted to get your opinion on this because you guys are like super fans of this movie, and I wonder if you just like look past it because you saw this when you were younger. I think the acting in this, especially from a few key people in some big roles, is 
pretty atrocious. Am I off base entirely on this? Uh, specifically, Brain. What the fuck, man? Who's a great actor, by the way. I know. Yeah, yeah, I've like seen him in shit. Great. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. I know. I've seen him in shit. But God, there were some scenes in this. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was talking to John Fuglesing about this because he hates the movie and he was saying how bad it was. And I said it was one of the best apocalyptic movies and we argued and stuff. And there's a kitsch, it's kind of a kitsch dialogue in this that I yeah. almost like comic booky. Yes. So I think that's why a lot of this is kind of, you know, the characters are obviously dramatized mm -hmm. to an extent. To extreme you know there's a yeah. you know there's the duke and he's got chandeliers <laughs> yeah. on a cadillac like yeah. Every, yeah everything is i think just over dramatized in a comic book way and i i don't know i think they they made choices to kind of play it like that i really do because i think those are good actors all those people are great you know no, and i recognize most of them and i'm not saying that everyone's bad i think kurt russell was great and i and i think that the props and stuff and the fantastic nature of the characters i love that like i love the chandeliers on the car that the duke uh even 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 like when they're all wrestling, when when it's um Kurt Russell Isaac and it's just amazing musician. So that's right, yeah, and and just, but I think that um there was just a, uh him the brain and his girl who has an amazing pair of tits. So that, yeah, that got me. I want to yeah, talk I mean, about her. I, mean, deep. I want to go we'll deep talk on about, her. <laughs> I well, okay. I uh, we definitely. I felt we were going to talk at least fifteen minutes about her tits for sure. They're I mean, fantastic. We're, I was saving it, but yeah, we're definitely it's, gonna. I mean, especially for like an '80s kid at the time who hadn't had access to the porn that I've had access to my entire life. Like I was getting horned up watching this. So th this definitely uh, was a big deal. Can I say one quick thing about brain. Please. I think I feel the acting choice on that okay. is that he's supposed, you're not supposed to like it. And I think when actors have a character that that's supposed to be kind of unlikable. Yes. There's weird choices they make because he's definitely not a bad actor. That guy was acting since like, you know, 50s or whatever. So I just yeah. feel like that might have been his choice and it came off like he's trying to be annoying and hey, snake and hey, you know, he's trying to do all this. Hey, and like, right. I don't know. You know I mean, like there's bad choices that people make. Uh, Force Whitaker and in uh, Rogue One. And what was that? What was that? Yeah. Force? You know, I actually, I actually like. I think the casting is pretty inspiring. Having Isaac Hayes as the villain is amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes. And like, and I love that. Uh, having Ernest Borgnine <laughs> as the the taxi like, driver, relief as the cast, he's great. He's so funny. He's like the best. So sweet. It probably yeah, led to him getting um uh what? Oh my god! Why can't? Oh my! I, sometimes my brain freezes up when we're doing this. Um, it's okay. What's the TV show that he did with uh, J. Michael Vincent? The Wolf. Why can't uh, I think uh, what it is? Airwolf. Airwolf. Yeah, Airwolf. yeah, which is another like, like it probably they, somebody probably saw him in this and was like, oh, Ernest Borgnine. We haven't used him in a while. Let's let's put him in a in a TV show. And Adrian Barbeau, she was married to John Carpenter at the time. Oh, like a fucking, okay. she's a fox, man. She is like I mean, she's swarthy, 90, 99 percent tits. Swarthy I mean, and huge melons is really all I'm looking for. Yeah. And she's like. <laughs> Like I was, I actually I wrote this down, like, cause I I don't I don't know that she was ever actually topless. So best tits I've ever seen the like completely in a movie is Pam Greer without a doubt. But best tits where they're still covered somewhat, I don't know if you can beat her. Like that's unbelievable, and she's still a good actress. The best tits have ever existed are probably the chick from True Detective first season. Oh, oh yeah, who yeah, is yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they just come out of no, they they just yeah. like pop out. <laughs> <laughs> She's got them handcuffed. 
You know, so you got Woody Harrelson handcuffed, and then you oh just, my, yeah, and Woody has no Woody has no idea what he's in for. I don't think he knew either. Like you could tell he's shocked. He, he's yeah. like, Whoa, hey! He's like, I didn't see this on the call sheet for this morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she is like, and again, like she is sexy in a way that like is very eighties. Like you don't yeah. see like, and, and it makes me think about Pam Greer too. Like I've been th- I've been watching a lot of Pam Greer stuff. Like women like that who are like. It's weird because they now they try to make these tough women that are like asexual, like like Charlize Theron is is a beautiful woman who's now yeah. doing all this like tough guy stuff, but in a way they like desexualize her. Like these women, like Pam Grier, is maybe the sexiest woman ever in the movies, and I mean ironically she's in Escape from L.A., which I didn't I've never even bothered to watch, but yeah. Well, here's the thing with that too. I think a lot of these eighties women, it's like, um, every, nothing really aged well in the eighties. Um, you know, hair. Oh yeah. I mean, her perm is terrible, but what are you gonna do? (laughs) Clothing, obviously, you know, some of that made a comeback or whatever, but, but, uh, but the bodies really held up, you know, it's like, some of the best bodies in movies, you know, you take, uh, Halloween, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Huge crush on her. Yeah, her body's phenomenal. Like they, it's almost like they don't have bodies like that anymore. Like the women, you know what I mean? They, it's they, the, it's the diet. Whereas, I mean, <laughs> this is we might, might as well go all the way offensive. For some reason, now Asian girls have bodies like Colombian girls. Like I've noticed more and more, you see like Asian girls that are really curvy. But like the white girls went through this metamorphosis. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time. Nobody ever thought. Nobody ever bought an ass in 85, though. You know what I mean? Like, that was real. That's it was cool. all real. It was all natural. They <laughs> the were boobs, jazzercising, whatever they were fake. doing. The but boobs break a lot of times, but that's about it. The boobs are break yeah, a lot? But, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Asian Barbeau, like, she's not, like, her name is not necessarily remembered, but she had a long, like, she's still working. I look at her IMDb. She's still doing stuff to this day. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, she is, she's in a, a bunch of Carpenter films, and I'll watch anything. She can I? Does. Can I ask? Amazing. Does he always? Do you think? What do you think Carpenter's mindset was going into this? The way he showcases her tits. Do you think he was just like, guys, I want to show the world like what I'm working with here? Yeah, it's like Rob Zombie, like with Sherry Moon. Like that's yeah. He's like, he's like, look what I have. Look like, what I have. He's, well, he's also he's hundred percent. He's doing that, right? <laughs> he's kind of doing a, that though. He's like hard dicking us like throughout yeah, the movie. Bo Derek's right? husband was like a director. Like he did the same thing. Like, right. Was, See, this well, is why I, I would say, never. Well, I, I would too. If I become a movie director, there's no my women are gonna have like frocks on, turtlenecks. There's no frocks. I'm not, yeah, like a frocks, like yeah, all the a, way up, no, no skin showing. I don't like as much as I like to enjoy it. I know how men are. I don't want other guys looking at my lady in my movie. Interesting. Right. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't, I'll I'll be a hypocrite. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. I mean the other the other big name in this. I mean he wasn't even a big name at the time really, but Lee Van Cleef. As the guy who recruits uh, Snake Plissken is one of my fucking all-time oh, favorites. Good, bad, and the ugly. Is he the? Is yeah. He... So he's well. He's in the two. He's in the, for a few dollars more and good, the bad, and the ugly. Had been around him forever. I think at this point he had had like a major like injury and okay. was like couldn't really walk and was kind of in bad shape. And Carpenter um, asked him to do this role, and that that kind of introduced him to another generation. Just like another guy who's just like understands. I mean, if you go back and watch like old westerns, sometimes Lee Van Cleef is in them. He doesn't have any lines, mm. but he's just so he's so badass looking. Yeah, that he's like a he's like a memorable extra. Uh, yeah, the eyes, just the way he yeah. carries him. And even in this movie, like I don't know why he's got two hoop earrings. 
And he's got like a gold chain on his on his wrist. Like it it's doesn't odd. really make sense. It doesn't fit his role at all. He's supposed but to it, be like the it general. almost makes him more tough that he's like you're like what? Do you it's know odd. what I mean? Like he's just so badass that like he's like I'll fuck it. I'll put hoop earrings and I don't give a shit. Yeah, he but, probably um, the money was probably shit. So he's like I'm just showing up like this. Like I don't. Care. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> and he yeah he probably only worked for a couple of days. But he again he like with with not very much screen time. Like to me, he like I stay. I would I would have watched the whole movie just about that character too. Like I love, yeah. I love Lee Van Cleef. I love it. and that he was. I remember being a kid, and there was a TV show called The Master, where he plays a ninja, oh, wow. and he takes a young like he's like in California traveling from town. It's kind of like a kung fu knockoff, and he takes a young kid under his wing and like teaches him how to be a ninja. Hilarious. And it was like it lasted like thirteen episodes. Like every every episode was like they're in a new town and they got to solve. Some yeah, it was. I mean, every '80s show was like it was basically the A team premise. Like they show up in town and they got to solve one crime for that episode. So like the master, they went from like town to town and like they would like rescue some girl or something like that. But I just remember he like I was a kid. He immediately like left an impression on me as like this guy is badass. I love that movie. Um, And one thing I think too, I think it's kind of a a blueprint for a lot of apocalypse apocalyptic movies you know it's like i feel like they introduced a lot of stuff that a lot of you know movies started to do after you know the whole thing where it's just kind of like you know you have the you know kind of the thunderdome thing you know where it's yeah, like yeah guy goes into the ring he's got to fight for his life or you know it's so bad escape from la is terrible because uh instead of a fight scene it's a basketball thing where he has to oh, make no a- no He's like, oh no! He's like snake Bliskin and he's like shooting hoops. Oh. And he, of course, he makes like ten in a row. Like it's a whole fucking. It's horrible. And that's supposed to be like <laughs> he makes it out because he's, he's good at basketball. Because he, he like sunk ten, so he gets to get out. It's horrible. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. But um, but that's. I think if there was a famous wrestler he fought in that. I think it was Ox Butler or somebody. I don't know. I, it, I really, in this one in Escape from New York, the, the guy who plays you know the big guy. Fight, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that guy was either like a strong man or some sort yeah. of wrestler he's a uh, professional wrestling guy yeah but uh, so yeah so i feel like a lot of that and then uh and then the race for time is such an industry element to this yeah where it's just like you know you have so much time to and you, and you add that element to you know kind of the thrill of the of the whole thing you know I, like he's gonna make it is he gonna make it and it's like counting down the countdown thing is also just phenomenal and a that's note that copied. i wrote down is that this Sorry. is i mean carpenter is is a horror master you know right rightfully so yeah. this movie is structured like a horror movie but the the protagonist is the one doing the chasing yeah. So you have that like fear of like what's you know is the monster around the corner, but you you're fo- instead of instead of waiting for the monster to show up, you're following the lead character. But that it's it's still that same like the music and the ominous like what is he gonna run into next? I mean, to, my one thing like I really enjoyed it. I think the reason I like the thing and uh, Big Trouble better is I think there are bigger, better, more memorable set pieces. In those, I just, I just wanted like, like, yeah, the the fight is great, and the the kind of the final sh- the chase with uh, Isaac Hayes. I just yeah. feel like it could have been even more like at every step. Yeah, it's probably that's probably why. Seriously, that dude. is probably why. I mean, I don't know if you know that how much we should probably know that to have this conversation. How much it costs? We could probably Google. It was it. super oh, yeah. cheap. He had to. Um, yeah. Like he, they filmed it in St. Louis. They didn't have a lot of money. I'm looking um, it up right now. One of the cool things is at the time James Cameron was was uh, doing special effects and he actually drew a lot of like the matte stuff. 
Yeah. So like where you see where you see the skyscrapers in Central Park, they're actually matte drawings on glass that I James that. Cameron did. I, I just love all that stuff. Like the reason, like I love Reservoir Dogs better than Pulp Fiction, just because it was a more kind of fresh movie for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's the same thing with like I mean, like someone like Robert Rodriguez, where he figured out how to make a movie yeah. for seven thousand dollars. Yeah, and a ladder and like. Yeah, you know, I've been on. I'm a, I've been on a huge Tarantino right. kick lately. I've been going back yeah. and rewatching stuff and and it's, love- and. Tarantino, I mean, he he resurrected Kurt Russell's career really. Like I love oh, seeing him. Death Proof, Death Proof is kind of a, th- a throwback to this as well. Yeah, and I and I love seeing him in in um in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and in a way that you know the the characters in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are a little bit like that's a little bit Kurt Russell's life too. Kurt yeah. Russell was doing like episodic television. He was doing westerns. Absolutely. He is a guy who like his career could have taken a couple turns. And he could have ended up being a has been instead of becoming a huge star in the eighties. Like he was one of those guys that was like he'd do a you know a gun smoke here and an FBI there, and a lot of those guys didn't become huge stars. He's just one of those guys that did. So I, I remember Tarantino saying that he leaned on Kurt Russell a lot for a lot of the stories about what Hollywood was like oh, in right. in the late sixties. Yeah. So the budget for this was six million dollars. Yeah, which is oh, it's higher than I thought. It's yeah. still low compared to all the other Carpenter films. Like Escape from L.A. apparently was fifty million, oh. and so he did that, nothing with that money. It just yeah. shows you that money, like I mean, a that's crap crazy. idea and money is the worst thing you could possibly. Yeah. Well, right. it is. It, you know, it 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 worked out with Big Trouble in Little China because I feel like that's. I mean, that's a video game almost. You right. know what I mean? It's silly. It's meant to be ridiculous, and you know, I feel like with with Escape from New York, it's like. You know, there's not a lot of effects, and so it feels a little more real, you know, in the sense of, you know, it could happen. Whereas, you know, and I feel like with uh, Escape from L.A., yeah, they, they try to make it funny, which I think Escape from New York is really funny. Yeah, yeah it, it is, is funny. funny. There's some That's- funny lines. Like, he's meant to kind of be a smart ass, and, uh, you know, he says some kind of, like, you know, some, like, quick lines and stuff, which, you know, I think, and what they, they try to do too much of that in Escape from L.A. You they know what to- I Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what I laughed at that I'm not even sure in Escape from New York that you were supposed to laugh at? So you remember the scene? It was towards the beginning. Kurt Russell's in New York. He He's still kind of finding his way around. And he finds himself in some sort of abandoned, like, bar, like a yeah. shack. And yeah. uh, this girl, this, like, woman is there. And it turns out, like, she he's, like, escaping these bums, like, these kind of, like, ne'er-do-wells. And she's not. She's, like, dressed well or whatever. And she's she comes up to him and she's like talking to him, where are you from? Oh, and she like recognizes him. She's like, Oh, you're Snake Plis- Pliskin. And then she gets all like hot and bothered and she's like is about to make out with him and, and he's about to make out with her. And then she just sinks through the floor and like these like <laughs> yeah. zombies just fucking like grab her. And I just thought that was so funny. We never hear from her again. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. I was like, well, oh, I love great. when he when he gets in the cab with Ernest Borgnine and Ernest like he's like Borgnine's like, Oh, I didn't know you were in here. They got you too. Like he's just like, Hey, I guess. <laughs> so you want to yeah. take a ride, and it just, and again, it's t- like t- to me that's like the most New Yorky thing is like, of course you would have a cab driver that's just like driving around Manhattan yeah. Island. I love the idea of fame too. You know, uh, my best friends is T.J. Miller, and everywhere we go, it's like T.J. Hey, so the idea of someone always knowing your name and always like bringing it up and like that's funny to me now that I'm friends with a celebrity. So it's like. Just that was kind of funny throughout the movie. It's yes. just like everybody knows who he is. You yeah, know? he's like a yeah. celebrity for degenerates. Like yeah. if you're a fucking career criminal, you all know who Snake Plissken yeah. is. Like yeah. Yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> not too dissimilar from <laughs> good old TJ. I, I love TJ. He's, he's That's the best. funny to me. Yeah. I, the idea of that is so funny. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it keeps happening throughout, too. And, yeah. and and I like how they don't explain it too much. They don't over explain why everyone knows him. He's yeah, just you a badass. You that's hear it. about a job that he did and somebody died and things. And it about it. I mean, that's like really Carpenter's gift is that he knows how to just make a movie move. Yeah. Like if you go back and watch Halloween, if you go back and watch Assault on Precinct 13, like these movies are like bare bones. And it, it's – Yes, it's all it's budget, it's it's money considerations, but it's also like a style of movie making because like Carpenter always talks about like he's he loves westerns and he loves like Howard Hawks, like Rio Bravo and stuff like that. So a lot of his movies, he's he's drawing from those sources, but it's they're all John Carpenter. Do you know what I mean? Like he can't help like his. I've been thinking a lot about like how much style um, has to do with like art, and it's not you know it's not about perfecting something or doing something. In a perfect way, it's doing it so that people go, "Oh, that's a Tarantino movie." Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, "Oh, that's a that's a Carpenter movie." Like you can't even if you give John Carpenter like a western and a, the budget, and you know John Wayne, he's gonna make a John Carpenter movie, and that's what's so fucking cool about yeah, all these is, movies and details. You know that you know, just just having the character wear an eye patch, he automatically gives him like you just know that he has some interesting story. It isn't, you know what I mean? You see him walking with an eye patch, and you're just like, okay, there's some crazy backstory with this guy. And right. maybe the maybe the greatest leather jacket in the history of the movie. Oh, like it's so. Oh yeah. I hate when when guys have like new clothes in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that it's like a costume designer. Like that jacket has a lot of years on it, and it's not. It can't possibly have been fake. Like that's a real fucking leather jacket. Yeah, those. I mean, those camouflage pants are pretty new, but uh, the jacket is definitely been. And he always, for whatever reason, Kurt Russell, <laughs> yeah. he's got like the knee high boots. Like he does that. He has that in uh in Big Trouble too. He has like knee high moccasins. Oh well, those okay, but in this, they're motorcycle boots. That's what I want to think they are. Yeah, but don't they have like they have like the straps like on the calf? Like they have like almost like a shin guard to them. Yeah, like a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. But it's, it, I don't know something really, like it seems very Kurt Russell to me. Like I, I dig that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just but uh, Carpenter too. I think Carpenter's you know seems like he's into probably bondage or you know what. what, what <laughs> oh yeah, you know what right? I mean? Yeah, kind of weird shit he's into that he like impl- impl- puts in his movies. You know what I mean? For yeah. sure. As, yeah. There was a couple other things like I I always say like they whenever there's movies about the future and it's funny because this movie takes place in 1997, so yeah, it's yeah. it's a very kind of pessimistic take on the future. I mean, was, which I mean, I, you know, during the grunge days, there were a lot of Snake Plissken looking dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. but uh, they <laughs> yeah, I always say like they they predicted everything except for digital technology. Yeah. Like whenever always, you watch sci-fi these from these times, like they always have like fucking like you know tape recorders and shit like literally the movie so the, the whole point like the whole movie is him trying to get a tape yeah so tape. yeah <laughs> but i i love when like they're literally doing like the showing you the map of manhattan and they're like doing like drawing the line yeah, like, like, it's, like an 82 high-tech. atari but it's funny because yeah. they say i'm from i'm from new jersey and they say like the uh the shore of new jersey and i was like bayonne and newark in jersey city is not the sh- like when you when you think the shore that's not what anybody's talking about but in the movie that's what they say and then um also something i saw online was that when when they when he's in the glider and they're showing you the computer screen in the glider and you're seeing the 3d map they didn't have the technology for that yet so they actually built a model put yeah. white lines on it and then okay. filmed yeah. it so that it was neon so that it looks Black, like right, a computer right. screen and, he, and, he's, and Carpenter said, he goes, now you would just literally create that on a computer screen. So it's yeah. so badass that uh, 
that he, they were able to, you know, do that. Like it's, to me, like I love that creative stuff where it's like, all right, we have a problem. How do we solve that problem? And that's what I love about it. The fact, and like I said, you know, what we're talking up top about the fact that it was a burned out, you know, town in Missouri. And like, it's like, you know, just all that stuff adds to how creepy it is sometimes, you know, when they're just kind of walking around and stuff. And, and like, uh, yeah, the extras in this are amazing. Like you were saying how they pulled that girl down. Like there's yeah. all, all kinds of weird, like when they, and the president, that dude, that, that dude's the weird, he's a psychologist from Halloween, right? Yeah. Donald oh, Pleasance. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he's tied up the first scene when you, when you actually finally see him and like all that stuff is just great. Yeah. No, no, it. yeah. All the all the surrounding characters in this complemented pretty well, um, and yeah, I mean, there's not a boring minute. I think the uh, the the whole time countdown type of thing that you were talking about earlier, Dustin, that's a huge element to like keep you invested. You know, he only has 23 hours until this like his arteries explode, which is such like a violent image to keep thinking is going to happen to you. Uh, I I really I enjoyed this movie uh, more than I thought I would, to be honest with you. It's funny in Escape from LA, he gets scratched, and so and that's his vi. He gets a virus, and it's like a respiratory virus, and so it's like fucking creepy to watch now. So, <laughs> well, I was I was going to ask you next, Dustin, like because I my I was in Jersey for a little bit when when this all this lockdown stuff started to happen, and then I made a decision to come back to New York City, but my my fear, I instantly thought like, what if they lock Manhattan? Like, what if they close the bridges and tunnels and you can't leave the island of Manhattan? And, like, that's where it's it's weird because it would be so easy to do. Like, yeah. And that's I, honestly, like, that's why watching this movie now, it's like it gives me the creeps a little bit because, like, that's literally I, I'm at any moment where I'm like, should I just escape to New Jersey and get the fuck out of here? Yeah. I mean, I think we're all kind of that point. I mean, you never like I feel like the idea of a movie like Mad Max or a movie like Escape from New York or 28 Days, like all that stuff seems so fiction kind of. I mean, it was always kind of like there were parts of it that would relate to certain things like, you you know, you'd see idiocracy and then Trump happens and you're like, oh, shit, I guess it's closer than we thought. Yeah. And then like some of that stuff. But now, yeah, any like the idea of like, you know, like, do I need a crossbow? You know what I mean? Like just ideas <laughs> of like survival if it really gets bad. I mean, you know, I mean, I was going to fight with an old lady at Rite Aid, you know, like, you know, over toilet paper. It's like those things like it's closer than we think. So, yeah, it starts to fuck with you. It's like, is I, it going to get to that I point? think all these movies were they were like they're warnings. Like I think movies like Terminator and, and these kind of stuff, it's like. It's telling it's a vision of what could happen if, you know, especially like humans with technology, if we fuck with technology too much, like something like, you know, Terminator and creating like machines that are online and, and you know, aware. Like I, I, I always saw those movies as being warnings. And then yeah. you hear people are doing this shit. You're like, wait a minute. The lesson of that movie wasn't to go out and try to do this shit. The lesson was like, watch out. If you do this stuff, it will get. Yeah, you, you can get out of hand, and it's even society, we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, even the right. even the idea that it's you know it's very possible that COVID is was created in a lab and like you know accidentally got released. You know whether it's true or not, we may never know. But even the fact that that's it makes an idea, more sense than a barbecued bat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, oh, I definitely <laughs> I th I think it's much more likely than one guy ate one bat one yeah. time. Like, where did that come from? Like, where is that story coming from? Like, like I don't believe like, the wet market's a fact on that. Well, because the, in the wet markets, they do eat like wild mammals, like like bats. And okay. apparently the genome for this virus 
is something I'm I'm too stupid to know, but is something oh, that would good. be a virus of a bat. It, it is. It does come from a bat, but I heard that you needed like it has to be. That's the opening of outbreak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? And again, I think I feel like these movies were warnings. I have like I've become more conspiratorial in my free time, and I think like the 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 guy eating a bat story, it almost it's it's actually it's the perfect story to get both sides fighting with each other because you have one side saying, "See, those people are are." are dirty and disgusting and we need to protect ourselves from them. And then you have a, the other side going, oh, no, no, that's racist to say that right. people do that and it's, it's racist to blame. So in a way, the fact that it that just the story exists is a great way to just get people fighting with each other. And it's and, the first three minutes of outbreak, so that makes it feel like somebody got it from somewhere. Yeah, because like <laughs> yeah. on both sides, yeah, like, like, it's all you know made what? up. <laughs> it does. It does sound like it's feasible, but we don't want to believe it's true. And the other side goes, no, 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 it's, it's, it's just a way to create chaos yeah, in a way and confusion guy? who's the guy can we trace it back to one dude like i, I mean not that i know <laughs> it's that know. chick it's that chick who's who eats uh live fish on the internet have you seen that asian <laughs> chick oh, it's disgusting <laughs> it's all over twitter go on to uh d- don't don't go on twitter and search that but if you want to see it you could yeah. type in asian girl eating fish and it'll freak you out she eats like live octopus and shit they eat some weird <laughs> shit hey, can we reckon re- can we reconcile like two things that uh, Asian Americans have nothing to do with this, and B, Chinese people eat ridiculous shit. I mean, it, they do, right? I think it's outlawed now that they can't eat that crazy shit anymore. I, think I don't think so. I think the wet market. I, I heard they could eat cats and dogs now. Like it was a whole thing. That's been a thing. That's a rule. I think that's been like a rule recently. I don't know. These wet markets are a nightmare, though. It's totally right, unregulated. Yeah, it's nice people. It's like you know, that's they broke. So you know, they. I'm not. Yeah, they need to eat what they have. My, really, my sure. uh, where I come from, they're eating squirrel and possum and shit. Like, you know. yeah, my my brother I, did. That, my brother had true, to, Dustin. It's true. Oh, yeah, that's not even a caricature. Okay. No, I mean it's not me. I no, mean, I know I, that. I know that. I mean, but I have relatives on my side that ate squirrel and shit. Absolutely. Wow. I got squirrel eaters in my family. <laughs> That should be the next uh, the, uh, name of your album, oh, next squirrel. comedy album. Squirrel tacos, come on. Yeah, but is it cl- is it clean squirrel? That's it's then it becomes the sanitary practices of how you. Well, there is a way to hunt. There is a way to like clean your animal for sure. I mean, there's my I... brother did some business in like China and Malaysia and stuff, and he said that at every time he goes, they gave me a part of the animal that I didn't want to eat. It was never like it was never the breast of the chicken. You know what I mean? It was never it was never the cut. What's the weirdest thing that you've eaten? Like, I'm such a picky eater that I probably nothing really too crazy. I'm I've always been like a hugely I might have eaten something without knowing ahead of time what it was. Yeah, but I I can't really think of anything too. I I lived in South America. I lived in Chile for a little while, and I was a missionary and all this stuff when I was younger. And uh, I had uh, like an empanada with like fish eyeballs, which is the most thing ever. And that was just ridiculous. And then uh, cow udder, like, you know, the udder, somebody fried it up one time. And I didn't know what it was. They were like, hey, it's just like eating this thing that, you know, just tasted like fried meat. And it didn't have really a flavor to it. Yeah. But it was cow udder, which is just so gross. Yeah. But, I don't yeah, know. Peter, a, um, what, is, what is the weirdest thing you've eaten? Me? Yeah, I, I can't. To be honest, I. It, it's funny. The thing that I, I think something. of is I didn't eat it, but I, my family's from Sicily, and I used to go there a bunch. And my cousin brought me, and there's there one of the delicacies is basically 
it might be it's either intestines or it's one of the or it might be like stripe like pancreas a... or something but okay. if he hadn't told me what it was and just like gave me the sandwich it looked like a sausage sandwich so if he yeah. hadn't have said hey this is fucking pancreas i would have just eaten it and then after the fact he would have been like hey by the way we consider this a delicacy but it's pancreas but the fact that he told me what it was kept me from even trying it yeah. but like i've seen dudes go to town on that shit yeah, but it looks like white sausage. Yeah, I've eaten cow head. Where they just they'll take the cow head and wrap it in foil and put it on the uh, barbecue, and then he just pinch the meat off. The oh, head. the meat like falls off the bone. Yeah, you just pinch it off, but you but you still see a freaking head. Yeah, yeah. I may have told the story on here. Like it's gross. I I hear you, man. I may have told this story on here, but uh, I have a I live in Spanish Harlem, and there's a there's a yeah. butcher shop on 110th Street, and you go in there, there's 30 people in line. It's one of those places where you take a ticket. Yeah. And they got like 10 butchers behind the counter. Everybody's waiting for their meat. And it's all like Hispanic ladies. And the one butcher sees me, comes from around the counter, comes all the way, cuts all the people in front of me and goes, hey, man, what do you want, a ribeye? And I go, <laughs> yeah, I will have a ribeye. And he was like, the butcher was like so fucking excited to like, because he's like bagging pig's feet and chicken <laughs> necks all day long. <laughs> and he's like, thank God. He goes, I went to butcher school so I could fucking cut steaks. Like, thank God somebody comes in here and buy. Like, I've never seen a book. Like, he was, like, light on his feet. He was so excited to come in this room. <laughs> but, uh, again, even even then, I wouldn't eat all the other shit that was in there. I would only eat the fucking Everybody, steak. You're like, actually, I'm a comic. Can I get some chicken feet? Thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, then, I, then I saw how much the ribeye cost, and I was like, yeah. it's going to be chicken feet from here on out. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah, this is this is a weird time. What like, did you eat? Did you yeah, eat some- nothing too wild. At this point, we've built it up way too far. But uh, <laughs> cow tongue, I've had cow tongue. Oh, yeah, that's it, oh, that's the creepiest looking thing ever. It's creepy looking, surprisingly tasty, pretty salty. I enjoyed it. Yeah, the street, uh, the the taco trucks always have the uh, cow tongue. Once in a while, I get it. it's very salty. Yeah. It is very salty. It's not that bad, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's probably the weirdest sounding thing I've ever eaten. I've had crickets too, like chocolate. Cricket, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be good in protein, actually. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, <laughs> I keep hearing it. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I've heard that once in my life on like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, one last thing about um, Escape from New York. Um, and I, I think I loved the idea of like this. Is the first time I saw somebody stand up to the president. You know what I mean? Like stand up to this. Like it was so punk rock to me that like you know this outlaw is like you know defying the government the president like you know just do even though like he, he didn't care what the consequences are you know after he's you know escaping with that tape and like fuck you i'm snake plissken i do what i want to do and just the idea the the exit of that the ending yeah. of that is so even though it is a cassette tape it's uh you know, it's such a rock and roll thing that he just kind of walks off into the night and he's like ripping up this thing. That's just so badass. It's such a great exit. I love the, uh, you know, it's the, the the cowboy, you know, into the sunset kind of thing. But it's, I, I just really like it. I just love yeah, the, I, and I, absolutely. I was, it's funny because I was going to ask about the, the politics of this movie because like Carpenter's pretty like left wing guy and he like originally wrote the script based on like Watergate and then he was like talking about Reagan. But him and Kurt Russell are, are best friends. Right. And and Kurt is is pretty like known as a kind of a, as a conservative in Hollywood, and I like that that and my like my thing with like politics in art is like I like when I don't know exactly where the art is coming from. Same. Like I hate and I think what's interesting about their relationship is that the movie can kind of be read in both ways because it's it's you know the po- the politics you're not getting hit over the head with the politics of the movie. 
Like yeah. it's it's clearly a political film, and clearly like in the beginning of the movie, they're like they're like you have to go. Uh, you know, we lost the president, and Kurt Russell's like, "We'll get another president." Then <laughs> like it's such yeah. a like hilarious <laughs> line. And then I'm like, yeah, why don't they just? Isn't there a protocol for this? Like, why do they got to go risk this fucking guy? VPs in like 97? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and, it, yeah. and it's, and it's like, yeah, it's. And the second one is pretty like right wing, much, you know, like everything is just like shut down. Like, you know, it's more about moral Christianity and all that stuff. Yeah. Where, mm. Whereas like they, they live is clearly like a take on like consumer culture and like being obedient. And I mean, they live is another movie that like, Talk about like a movie that's prescient for like today, where we're yeah. just like repeating what advertisements and television tell us, and like we don't realize that we're being programmed. Oh yeah, um, I mean, but yeah, good. I think I think it's really it is like a, and again, a lot of the a lot of these Carpenter's movies, it's like the, it's the one guy versus versus he's they said I think at some point it says it's like what, Snake, when did you become the man? Like you're yeah. you're here to rescue the president of the United States. Like when did you become the guy? And he, I mean, he doesn't want to do it. He's he's being put up to it, which is, yeah, you know, the premise. I don't of the know film. how much you love the thing, and I think the thing is definitely a better movie. But I'm, I'm gonna give it to Escape from New York because it's not a remake, and then and yeah. I think the idea of it being an original idea is it holds stronger to me than a remake. A re, I mean, that remake is the best ever, but the thing, but uh, but yeah, I just love the idea that this is an original concept. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's great. And at any chance I get to go back and rewatch, I, I just watched Christine for the first time this past year, and that movie's fucking great. It all, that's yeah. The I, there's so much, and like Starman is is amazing. I love you know Jeff Bridges in that movie. Like Carpenter, he he's one of those guys. I think he's getting his due more now than he ever did, like when he was at the height of. of oh his yeah, stuff. Like, I think I think a lot of the filmmakers that like I, I the reason I've been thinking about Tarantino a lot is because Tarantino was like. I was 15 years old. I went into the theater and I saw Pulp Fiction and that movie was such a, like a foundational like moment for me. And, um, I've been thinking a lot about how I, I learned about a lot of other stuff through Tarantino. And I feel like Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, all those guys that came later, like they knew like how great John Carpenter was and they kind of brought, you know, it's like you, you can't help but there, there's somebody's I, I think David Chase said that Sopranos is about real gangsters who grew up watching The Godfather. So they're real mobsters, but their their perception of what a mobster is, is shaped yeah. by the mo- the movie mobster. Yeah, and I think in the same way, like, you know, all the all the guys who then went on to become big filmmakers, they were watching these movies and their perception of what you could do with a movie is clearly shaped by a guy like Carpenter, who who was a huge fan of like fifties westerns and was watching Howard Hawks yeah. and John Ford movies. I, I get another thing too. Like I love, I love to see where like art comes from. Like it, nobody yeah. create nobody creates anything out of out of nothing. It yeah. all comes from what you want, what you liked as a kid, and that's yeah. why these movies are so important. That's, I mean, that's why that's one of like the basic unless premises. You're like Chaplin, unless you're Chaplin, you're not original, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, one of the like premises of the of this podcast is like these. These are the movies that like moved you as a kid and kind of helped shape who you are as an adult. I mean, I would say, and this is I, I hate to say this, but I feel like you know, there's a handful of great movies in the '80s. I feel there was a lot of bad mistakes. There was a lot of movies that could have been so much more and the fact that they were filmed in the 80s ruined the whole thing 
You know, the fact that Scarface has a, a, a music montage, like oh. there's so many bad moments that happen in eighties. I, I couldn't agree more yeah. with where you. they try to they try to be funny when yep. they shooting them. Like there's just there's a lot of cocaine going on. I was again. gonna say you could see the coke on the screen. Like you, <laughs> Scarface is a movie about cocaine, and everyone's doing Every, cocaine while they're making it. Yeah, there's tons yeah. of movies like that that could have been good, and they just take this eighties angle. It's like when you watch eighties NBA. They're yeah. all those guys are coked up, like they're running up and down, like they're all like wiry and just fucking sweating. Like it, it's like it's two minutes into the game and they're drenched in sweat and they're just like fucking. It, it's it's the whole the whole era. You have yeah. to take into account what drugs were being done. Sure. While the music sometimes choices were really just strange too with some of these music, yeah. and, that, and that can that can really ruin a movie too. Just like happy and music it, during like a chase scene or something. I think the money too. Like I think a lot of these guys got a lot of money really fast. And like so, the there's like a, there can be like a lack of purity, in the art because they like a lot of these guys they made one or two movies and then they became huge stars right away, so they yeah. got a ton of money and like a lot of money and everybody saying Stone. yes to you is not a good thing with art. Like Oliver Stone, I mean, like you know what he did with Tarantino's script is like just ridiculous. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Natural Born Killers. A lot of people love it, but. You know, and it's almost like it's just like, dude, if, if Tarantino, I feel like if he had had his hands on that movie, it would have just been so much simpler. Oh, like, it's so true so romance. I already love true romance, but I hate Tony Scott as a director. And I feel like if Tarantino had That's directed it, that- one song, though, because he doesn't I, I do like true romance. I do love there's moments in that I just love. But yeah, if Tony Scott started doing everything with the, like, the moving camera and like all this like crazy shit. Yeah, but I don't like a lot. There's hardly anything I like in uh, except for Dangerfield and uh natural born killers he's like the only thing i like in it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think you know danny jr's ridiculous as the geraldo or whatever but uh yeah that movie's terrible but uh yeah so you know to find it to get a movie in the 80s you can watch without cringing is is hard sometimes and i feel you know escape from new york is a movie that is one of those movies i've watched over and over and you know you have those movies you have like a core movie i don't own it which is ridiculous oh but, it's crazy uh, but but it seemed like it's always because it's all you can it find is always yeah. it always you yeah. can find it like and i love i love that too when you have a movie that's your favorite mm-hmm. and just out of nowhere it just comes on ifc or comes on oh, tv yeah. and you're just like ah and i know what i'm doing for the next hour and a half you know yeah and that's the kind of movie it is. Whenever it's on, I get really happy. Like, like I a, can't not watch it. It's like a serendipity. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. It's we on, don't. Then watch it. With yeah. streaming, you you lose that serendipity. Uh, yeah, it was on Hulu for a little while, and that was fun. I watched it. Like it's one of those movies I could fall asleep to or whatever. But I just enjoy right. it. Well, right. I mean, Dustin, what uh, what do you want to plug while while we have you? Yeah, on what have here? you been doing during the pandemic? Anything? Any content? All us comics are just kind of scrambling to do shit. So yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to do content. You know, you try to figure out what's you know you're going to be stuck in your house, so you right. try to think to yourself, you know, what what can I do that's entertaining as I'm stuck in my house? And uh, I have a lot of vinyl records, so I looked around my place and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll do something with my collection because you know i love music and i love buying vinyl every time i'm on the road i try to seek out a a record store and all that stuff and i I believe in kind of keeping that you know true form art form i feel it sounds better on vinyl and all that stuff i'm one of those geeks yeah Uh, me too by the way yeah so i do like a random thing vinyl dust and shaving where i'll pull like a vinyl i won't know what i'm pulling i'll just pull it and start talking about it and that's been fun, just a little Instagram thing. And then, uh, you know, my my true love, uh, Leah Bonham is an amazing comedian. And uh, so we 
we uh, I do a podcast. I'll leave you with this where I talk to comics and stuff, and we do like a quarantine edition where we kind of talk about being a couple and talk about. And we actually go into movies and talking about apocalypse movies. And, oh, cool! You know, sci-fi stuff we're watching. Uh, War of the Worlds is a really cool series we just saw on Epix, and that's as far as the apocalyptic uh, angle, and that's so good. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No, no, I didn't even know they were doing. Gabriel Byrne. Phenomenal. And uh, yeah, we just got through with that. And that's a really cool take with the aliens and the apocalypse thing. And it's nothing like the Tom Cruise movie. Like it's really dark. Half of it's in French. Like it's really cool. If you get a chance, check that out. Oh, definitely. That sounds yeah. great. You said it's on Epics. Yeah, yeah on Epics. Yeah. yeah and I'll Epics is out. actually free oh, till tomorrow. So, all right. Well, hey, Peter, let's get on it. <laughs> uh, and Dustin, yeah, what's your real quick? What's your uh, Instagram handle for that? For, uh, for all that? At Dustin uh, uh, lower. What is that? Underscore Chafin, C-H-A-F-I-N. And uh, my Patreon. Just go to I'll leave you with this slash Patreon. I appreciate it. Perfect. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we're as comics. We're so we're such like we need that attention and that validation. But for whatever reason, like just doing like stand up through this like zoom and all that stuff does not seem natural at all. No, but if you can come up with a creative way, like I, Alex was making fun of me because I, I made like a mock cooking video because I, I noticed that every comedian was making a cooking video. Yeah. So I started out, I started off like mocking the fact that like oh I have to do a cooking video now because I'm stuck in my apartment, and then halfway through I started to really dig it, so I started to get really into like yeah. cooking. We're all becoming better cooks. Like, yeah, it's- and so it, like <laughs> I just sure. think this is an interesting time for us as artists to like go deeper do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we don't yeah. have to just like it's not just about getting stage time and working out bits it's finding a new creative way to create stuff yeah um because i also coach people i do comedy coaching with like comics and stuff and so that's another thing i you know i want i'd like to talk about too but it's like sure but i talk to comics and stuff and i think right now to you know it's like if you're gonna do a zoom or something i think that's important to stay creative but you don't have to you can't sit there and act like it's a set you right know, you, exactly like, people on a zoom you're like waiting for the laughter you know if you want to do something like top five things i've learned being in the quarantine you that's know it. funny you do a list or you do like here's a picture of me you know whatever um no 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 you're right though it's you have to adapt yeah it's not going to be stand-up as it is you know as we know it there's yeah, just I, I no know, we may not have crowds for a long time i know, I know. and there's, there's know. something to be there's about something it. to being true yeah. to the medium so the medium of stand-up is you're in a room with a people and there's a microphone this is a different medium so you have to you have to rather than try to like superimpose that medium into this medium you you make something different that's true to this what we're doing right now it's really i mean you really have to just keep your head up like april was like i had the greatest stand-up month of my life scheduled and it's just like i mean it's just all it's opening for neighbor gatsy oh man yeah i saw you posted a couple of things like that huge theaters and it's amazing we're on a tour bus we're gonna be on a fucking tour bus like motley crew like i was like Uh, come on come on yeah (laughs) no i have a friend i have a friend who had i have two friends who had like a netflix thing lined up yeah it's like you yeah i'm sure you know yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh, such a bummer were you gonna gonna do nashville with nate uh, we had like a 10 city tour. It was like a board tri-state kind of. Oh, okay. Cause I was gonna say, cause my cousin lives in Nashville and she and I are big fans of his. And we, uh, yeah. she's, she actually has tickets to go see him in Nashville, which I'm sure. Yeah. We, I had to shows. do more of the Eastern tour, but yeah. Uh, um, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. Cause I had my first, like I had a, I had a stand up nightmare last night oh, and wow. it, like, I, I've been, I've been dreaming like crazy, but not like, not like <laughs> nightmares. And in the dream, <laughs> I'm like, I'm on a show where I'm. He didn't even hear you. What's that? He didn't even hear you. No, what happened? I didn't hear it. 
Yeah, Peter's in his own fucking big set. head. Yeah. <laughs> we just said it was like a regular day. It's like a regular set. You just yeah, did yeah. a regular set. It was just you doing your type five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you missed my funny little roast. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was funny. It, was, it, it really, the dream was really upsetting. I was like, I was watching on a show and I... For whatever reason, it was like in a pavilion. It was like outside, and I was on a huge stage. And Mark Norman, who I don't know, is in the audience. And and I'm not getting any laughs. And so I was like, you know what, guys? This is a little weird. So I'm just going to sit on this bench, and I'm just going to tell you stories instead of doing jokes. And Mark Norman goes, man, that's a bad idea. He just gets up and leaves. (laughs) And then the whole audience – like I walk the entire audience – Oh, and now wow. I got to go back to the booker and be like, hey, I'm really sorry, but there's no one for the headliner to perform for because everybody. <laughs> so who books that in your mind? Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, you know, what's funny is it was a booker that I actually have a really good relationship with who really likes me. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That I is. I'm getting anxious about performing. I, guess, I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna, I mean, we're all, it's funny because we're all just kind of making it up as we go along. We don't really know what the future is going to hold. So we just do the best we can right now with this. Well, thanks for doing stuff like this. I mean, this helps, you know, getting content and like letting. Oh, this us. is, I mean, this is so much fun for us. Like I said, thanks this for was, doing it with us, Dustin. Yeah. We've been trying to get you on. And honestly, it was easier yeah. to get you on during the quarantine because <laughs> I work, I work weekdays. I don't know what Peter yeah, does. You're all over weekend, the place. Weekends. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it worked out. Honestly, I'm glad yeah, we did it. It was fun too. I enjoyed it. You guys are great. That's we'll have you back on any time. I mean, yeah. this is definitely your element. I feel like yeah, you have a lot I have to other offer. Movies I'd love to talk about. So yeah, great. perfect. Uh, Peter, do you have anything outside of Kill You Last that you want to promote? Uh, that's a good question. What you have Yonkers in 2021? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to trying to line up those uh, yeah. Yonkers Comedy Club kids. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing a guest spot somewhere in the future. <laughs> I, no. I said uh, I posted a joke on Facebook that after this is all over, I'm just going to show up at all the clubs and be like, hey, remember you you passed me right before this happened? Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. Anytime you want to throw me up. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I'm you know, whatever you need. I'm here. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I don't know. I'm trying to make I guess I should make some more live videos. The thing is, like, I. When we're, I feel like as comedians, we're in an echo chamber where we talk to other comedians. And I'm like, I don't want to do that if every other comedian is doing that. But the more I talk to like my regular friends, like they're sitting at home and they want something to do. Oh, yeah. So I think there's actually like, it is a good time to like make videos and do different stuff just because our, our, you know, our regular, you know, citizen friends that are not comics, like they're just looking for shit. So this is a perfect time to do that. It's it's good for us. You know, a lot of times I, you know, I was doing a comedy coach and stuff. It's like, we have to just stay busy. Even if, you know, if you like write that novel, it'll never get published. Or you write the screenplay that you're, you know, not sure about, like, just do it. Like this time to be creative. Just like, just have the time. We never have the time, you know, you can, and now we have it. So if you're not being creative now, it's like, you're just lazy. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you don't want to do. You'll never do it. I'm teaching yeah. myself video editing because I know this yeah. is a skill That's that true. I'll need to use, and I've wanted to teach myself it for for years. And now, and it, you yeah. know, finally have the time. That's great, and it's funny how it's like the other day I found myself I was looking up like on eBay they have like a rollout uh, keyboard you can like you know play piano. I was like maybe I'll just learn piano right now. Like <laughs> I saw yeah, the time like for five it. times. So yeah, I'm like I'm I'm ready. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, why not start now? It's true, though. Yeah, try, you know, learning. You're not going to be able to go with the flow stand-up. 
it through this. You can't just do your spots or do your house show, whatever you do. That That's just not going to cut it. And I think, um, like you said, it's going to be a while before we get crowds again, maybe. So I think a lot of people that were doing it just to like for a hobby or to have fun. I mean, like good for them. Maybe they'll come back. But I yeah. think a lot of that portion won't come back. Well, I think the fact that New York, like you were saying in the beginning um, about New York being this epicenter and all that stuff, I feel like a lot of people already have left. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're living with their moms and their shitty town or whatever. So it's like, you know, the and the thing is, too, I feel like it's going to be harder to get stage time. So in when this so because it's going to it's going to be a very narrow group, like it's nobody's going to have time to develop you anymore. You better be funny at this point. Right. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to risk their life sitting next to somebody. <laughs> like, it better be fucking funny or just hot. There'll just be some hot girl just fucking breathing on everybody. <laughs> fucking diseased pig. I'm sorry. I, I got a little. About, I was thinking about putting plexiglass up at Greenwich Comedy Club. Honestly, like, we're always we're always spitting on people. You know what I mean? Like when you're, yeah. I, I swear, I'll always see spit flies. I was gonna put like a plexiglass. I have a friend oh, who's man. a singer, and uh, he carries a microphone around with him, and he'll do like he'll do uh, karaoke, and he'll bust out his own mic, and he's like. He's like, you know how many times I've gotten sick from other people's microphone? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. towards the end there, the last week or whatever, before St. Patrick's Day, that I I had a bunch of spots. I think I had five. And I'm not bragging like to say I had five spots in one night, but the idea of that, I could masturbate to. Right. Like five <laughs> spots on a Saturday. It was phenomenal. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was going around to different clubs and I, I had my own mic and I, w- I went up and I plugged it in and I did my thing and then I would unplug and put the other one back. So I think that's going to be the norm. I think the idea of us all having our own microphones, I mean, it I'm might gonna, happen. I'm going to do that when it's over. Yeah, it might. It might happen. It, at least a portion of comedians will be doing that for sure. Or wipe it off or, you know, there's going to be a procedure yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's going to be, be something. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm a I'm a hopeful person, so I'm planning my birthday party for May 17th. It's going to be a barbecue in East yeah. Harlem, and I I'm calling it. People in New York City are going to be dying to get out of the house. My mom today was like, "There's no way you're having a birthday party I, in May." Use a better choice of words. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. People are people are want to live outside of their apartments, and so I'm very hopeful that that's so that's what I'm plugging. I'm play I call it Peter Palooza. The 2020 yeah. edition. I'm plugging that for May 17th. That's not bad. That's not bad. Hopefully, we'll have those $1,200 checks by then. Yeah, I think it's no supposed kidding. to come this week. Is I, it? That, that's what I'm hearing this week. I heard some people got direct deposit already. That's what that, that's what it's going to be is a direct deposit. And if they don't have an account on file for you, then it's going to be sent to your mail. But okay. yeah. I think it's happening in waves. They're, it's not like they're going to send a check to like hundreds of millions of people yeah. at once. So Ridiculous. it's this yeah. week, though. So okay. this, throughout this week. Yeah. It's going to be it, – it, it's funny because um, like I, I was in the restaurant business for a long time. A lot of my friends are in the restaurant business. And comedy is basically the restaurant business. So it's going to be interesting to see – because, you know, like some of my friends are working from home and they're telecommuting and they're, and they're you know, saving money because they're not commuting. And they're actually doing yeah. great financially. And other people for have now. been like destroyed. So it's going to be very interesting to see how, how society like is stratified when this is all over and we get back – to life because like i said like i have i have friends that opened restaurants right before this happened and they don't even know if the restaurant is gonna reopen and then i have other friends that financially are, are kicking ass so it's gonna be it's it's very curious like what what's gonna happen next yeah i'm screwed so if you guys yeah. me uh, my venmo is at justin <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Hyphen chafing. Like, yeah, please. Yeah, get it out. <laughs> but this is what's crazy is like I was I posted this thing the other day and it said stimulus packages around the world. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I didn't. It was like they had uh, the UK, 80% of workers' salaries. Wow. Denmark, uh, 70, uh, 75% salaries. South Korea, 75% salaries. Netherlands, 90% of workers' salaries. Canada, 2000 a month. Yeah. Australia, 1000 a month. U.S., one time $1,200 check that may take months to arrive. Yeah. Like, you know, and we, and the thing is, is like they just, they just throw out $1,200 and we all get excited. But, Man, New York, that's going to go quick. Yeah, oh, that's nothing. nothing. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's like, people are like ironically excited about it. Okay. Nobody's nobody's yeah. actually excited. I mean, I'm well, sure there are a few most, people. Yeah, but, NASCAR people or whatever. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I got a few comedian friends. Or squirrel eaters. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this was great, man. Uh, cool. Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. I like you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for, for doing it. Yeah, we, we should plug the YouTube channel because this is going to get released as an audio podcast, obviously on iTunes, Spotify, all that shit. But we also kill you last podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. This will be like the third video that we have up. We're yeah. going to continue to pump out the video podcasts. I think for from now on, even after the pandemic, I'm I teaching get, it's myself. It's one of those things where we were talking so. about doing video forever, and it took a it yeah. took a worldwide emergency to finally get us to do video. So exactly, yeah, perfect. But it, no, it worked. Um, and yeah, so kill you last podcast on YouTube, uh, uh, kill you last podcast on Instagram. Really, just kill you last podcast everywhere. I did see today uh, film history charts were back in the top fifty. So in oh, the nice. U.S. So yeah, yeah, I think releasing these video podcasts is giving us a nice little boost. So we'll like continue it. to do that. Very um, cool. We'll see Escape from New York. Great movie, yes, guys. Yes. Nate Pliskin, support the patch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See we you guys next guys. time. Take care, guys. Bye. Rock and roll. Bye.